This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I am here. Look, it's the national championship behind me at SoFi Stadium, and I got another national champion here, a friend of mine, Aaron Hagman, Hagman Enterprises. Welcome to The Playbook. Thanks, buddy. It's good to see you again. It's great to see you. And look, we were joking around, right, when we talked about Hagman Enterprises, like Dave Meltzer Enterprises. It's a variety of things, but it's really a platform more than it is a business that allows us to share content, to share experience, and to create quantitative value. And that's the way I see Hagman Enterprises and my Dave Meltzer Enterprises. For you, what are some of your favorite things to do to create quantitative value for others? Really, for me, it's helping other entrepreneurs grow their businesses through growing their teams. So, you know, we go through things like counting headcount and creating, you know, and quantifying the impact of what we can make internally to the organizations, really focusing on team building and, and scaling up that way. And one of the difficulties I've had in building a team, and I'm very value oriented, I'm daily practice oriented, I'm repetitive in my nature, but one of the difficulties that I found as I got older is that a lot of times I want more for my employee than they want for themselves. How do you deal with that in the team building aspect when you may have higher expectations, not, not just of the performance, but what they, higher expectations of what the employee wants for themselves? Well, I think what's most important is actually creating conscious development plans, right? As entrepreneurs, we talk about personal development, professional development, these keywords, but to actually sit down and work with the CEOs to create plans with you know, budgets and rhythms and cadence and some of the things that we would do to have cadences for one-on-ones and mentorship programs. Really, this is the framework that helps us create what become individualized plans that will allow the individual employees to see that path and really thrive. And one of the things that you do really well is a thing that I look at all the time is, you know, mathematically, what's a simple thing that I can change? So for example, in sales, I tell people, let's start with getting people to call you back. And like, what are you talking about? I go, how much time do you spend practicing or getting better at getting people to call you back? I said, why would I do that? I said, well, because over 80% of your outreach is not responded to. What if, you know, instead of one in 10 people calling you back, I could get two in 10. You don't even have to get any better, but yet I can give you a 100% better statistical success in what you're doing. In your expertise, one of the simple ways to get better is engagement. And we see all types of polls and statistics about disengagement, the quiet quitting and all the different terminology that comes around with people that just aren't uh, engaged in a business. And part of that is that technology allows us to be productive enough that we don't have to be engaged anymore. We can get the job done because the expectations are set from 2010 and there's been so much advancement in 2022 and three that we can just get by not being engaged. How do you get that up? Yeah, well, I think engagement has to shift the lens, right? As the entrepreneurs and CEOs, we're often saying, here's our agenda. Here's what we want you to engage with versus trying to flip it around and find that connection of engagement from the employee side. So the simple thing that I often coach and talk about is the idea of teaching entrepreneurs in their direct report relationships to find a space to put down their agendas. 
right? To go in and say, what's on your mind? How can I serve you? What do you need? And it just shifts the dynamic into, well, you're here to help me. And now this organization is giving something that I can hold on to. And the team building expertise that you have, does it apply beyond business, entrepreneurship? Does it apply to sports? It absolutely does. In fact, as I think you know, I've owned like a soccer team in the back in the day. <laughs> and, and the ideas of, you know, what we do in locker rooms and the dynamics of building diverse teams. You know, you can't go build a uh, team with uh, like the Chargers out here with the same three wide receivers. You know, you look at the guys that all have different skill sets and we really need to take those things into mind. So, yes, all the analogies play in. And I, I think that business is more akin to sports than, than most things. I agree. And into that uh, perspective, the locker room, you know, what happens when you have one bad team member? What are some of the things that you advise on, you know, either changing, firing, falling away? What are your best uh, experiences and advice say about when we have one bad egg? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a great question. Honestly, I think the mantra of hiring slowly and firing quickly starts to come into play because, you know, we can train skills and we can train, you know, other certain things, but personality and being a good teammate and, and creating a, a meshing dynamic between team players is something that, you know, you really can't change. So when we know we have a player who's out of sync, who either doesn't get along with the team or maybe the skill sets don't complement the team in the right way, then I think often the coaching advice comes to finding a way to move on. Fast. Yeah. And it's difficult emotionally. I think a lot of people don't realize as a team captain that when there's not a good fit, you have to take accountability as the leader, uh, but also that it is and it takes a toll when you make that decision uh, to get rid of anyone, even if they deserve it. I find it to be very difficult. What are some of the other things that leaders of teams don't realize are impacting their bottom line? Really, I think it comes this broader conversation around culture, right? And, and what is motivating our employees? I think I'm a big fan of the Dan Pink TED Talk video out there that basically says carrots and sticks don't work. <laughs> and especially as we look to the next generation of workers, not just millennials, but the Gen Z workforce coming up behind us, we have to create autonomy and purpose and the opportunity for mastery to really drive these things forward. And when you're building a team, the world has changed again in a very fast way, especially in team building because of originally all remote, now a hybrid uh, approach. How have you had to change your approach in a consultative nature to understanding the remote aspect of building teams? Yeah, I've had to employ all of the agility in all my skills that way, right? Because you still want those dynamics of getting together and be able to have, get your hands dirty in the whiteboard, as I like to say. Um, but at the same time, you know, teams and our clients are so spread out and the way they work that, you know, coming from the outside in to help coach businesses, we have to have that agility to and the skills and tools to be able to support the virtual environments of getting, you know, collaborative leadership teams together all over and finding that space, though, you know, once a quarter to get together, you know, two, three times a year at a minimum, hopefully, you know, to, to be in the same room, break bread together, work on those planning sessions. And to that measure, do you think it's important to get together once a week virtually uh, for a remote, uh, I guess, uh, conscious collective or is, you know, just getting together once a quarter or two or three times a quarter in person enough? 
No, I am a big believer in, well, let me answer that clearly. I absolutely believe in getting together once a week. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big believer in cadence and rhythm. It becomes the basis, the, the pulse of how we can run our business. And it's for consistency. It's not for management. It's communication and crosstalk. And here's what I'm working on right now. And as leaders, it allows you to find that space to find, you know, my favorite question, how can I help right now? What's in your way? And even if it's just to be in a supporting role and keep crosstalk going, I'm a big, big believer in finding those cadences out there. And one of the critical business issues in team building today, especially, is recruitment. You talked about hiring slow and firing fast. Mm -hmm. Well, hiring slow uh, is costly as well. What are some of the things that you teach or help with in the recruitment so that there's less problems further down the road? <laughs> yeah. I think it's all about preparation. You know, we think recruiting as it often starts when I'm running the ad, right? My HR person is, is out there sourcing the job, but I really believe to be successful, it starts in all of the organizational planning we're doing before. Um, knowing the job description to the job, having the scorecard, you know, and knowing even the traits that make up a successful person in this role. I need a bookkeeper and a controller. I need a salesperson different skill sets. When we know the avatar, it not only lets us find a good person, but we're setting up the new person joining our team to succeed. Here's your job description. Here's your scorecard. Here's how you win on day one. And to that measure, when you play for a good team, other people want to play for that team. And we see that in sports all the time when uh, a guy will take actually less money to play for a better team. Does that really hold true as well in the corporate world? Yeah, especially today, probably more so than ever, right? You know, the, the mobility of the workforce, you know, unemployment's very low and demand on not just labor, but talented labor is high. So to be able to have those X factors, you know, I used to joke about good coffee in the break room is a minimum requirement, but <laughs> these things matter after a while. And knowing the shifting needs of our workforce, you got to have it to be able to continue to compete. How about the benefit of healthcare? Uh, you know, I talk about being an entrepreneur is more attractive than it ever has been, in my opinion, that especially if you're younger, uh, you still get so many today compared to when I was an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. so many of the great values of being an entrepreneur, but in entrepreneurship, meaning you get to, you have your own schedule. A lot of times you get equity and lottery tickets. You, you know, have this freedom that never was ever offered in the enterprise space that are way more entrepreneurial than ever before, but you also get the security of a salary and most importantly, healthcare. How do you see those two things interplaying in a team environment that you have the security uh, and also, a, you know, an expense that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs aren't willing to take the risk on? I think that the healthcare conversation and, and benefits of this side, uh, this nature, are a table stake. It's it's a given. I think to compete, we've got to have it. Yeah. Uh, if we really truly care as servant leaders about our people holistically, not just performance at the job and how'd you do at the office today, but how are things at home? How's your family? How are your kids? Then then you know we need these tools to be able to back that up and create that culture. Again, I think that healthcare, dental, medical, these types of things, these are the minimums. These are the fundamentals. You know, some of the stuff that we've built at the company that were well-received, and maybe not by everybody, but 15% over here, 10% over there, were programs like, 
you know, legal, uh, you know, education protection or pet insurance and, and access, even just to have access to programs like these would really go a long way with the workforce. I have found that also people want to be recognized and appreciated more than even paid. What are some of the mechanisms that you've seen that are most valuable in this uh, recognition and appreciation side of things? Because I think it's one of the most valuable tools to retain great talent. Uh, finding the tools and the programs, and there's software and different things out there that we can get to help build these, but the programs where we get the team to recognize each other. And from my experience, mm. the internal peer recognition programs where you know the sales team is giving a shout out to the operations team and vice versa for doing a good job and creating that system of communication you know whether it's a bulletin board or whatever that process is was imperative we often think of top-down leadership and the attaboys from above and good job and here's your bonus and certain things but the peer recognition and the cross department types of programs for us you know whether it's just an internal you know spin the wheel and get a badge type of thing or whatever it is uh, those things go really far that's really cool now, one of the other things we talked about getting together in person and how important that is, uh, the cadence and rhythm of being able to communicate effectively consistently every week at least, and all the other bare minimums from healthcare to good coffee. But one of the things we haven't discussed is fun and fun, uh, accessibility to fun inside uh, an office, but also just you know a holiday party or mm -hmm other things that your extracurricular, you know, going to a, a, a charger game as a group or yep. whatever it may be, how important is it to have the fun aspect internally and externally in a business? Again, I think we're, we're now into the glue. Now we're in the stuff that's going to hold the team together, right? Yeah. The, the above and beyonds, because we remember the time we had a hot dog at the game together. Uh, my question to any entrepreneur I'd work with and coach is, what's your budget? What is your budget for fun? because it starts there, meaning I have intent, I have a plan, I've got a quarterly budget, and you know, let the team figure out the way to do the outings. Um, and you let the team figure it out, you don't... Well, you could create yeah. those structure. For, for me, uh, what I often did at like my last large company is we had a quarterly event and a quarterly program, and we planned two of them. So we had the holiday party, we knew we were gonna do that as a company, and we had a family summer picnic event. Yeah. But the offset events were driven by the team. Maybe it was bowling, maybe it was karaoke, maybe it was what do we want to do. But, but having, again, that intent, the plan, and the budget in this case, that started it for the fun was important. That is really important. Now, through your experience, if I came to you with a budget, um, where would you tell me the first place to put the budget is to build and maintain a great team? Wh where should I spend my money? I tend to start personally uh, with professional development. Okay. Really creating education programs um, and different tactical initiatives to help the team learn and grow. For me, it's an it's a ethics and a value I've had for myself and for all of my business, which is a passion and a dedication to lifelong learning. So finding out what it means to somebody individually to grow and helping them then chart that path is, again, important. So. Where's your budget for training? Where's your budget for professional development? We want to show our employees and our teams we care. You know, it's going to put our money where our mouth is. And the nice thing about today of creating that budget for personal development and professional development is the cost has gone down exponentially True. because of the accessibility of great leaders, great mentors, 
and great content, including from Aaron Hagman himself, uh, being someone who is out there for free a lot of times, helping people uh, to build teams and to expand and accelerate the mission, a collective consciousness of a company. Aaron, thank you so much. It's been incredible. Great advice for so many entrepreneurs, businesses, uh, and believe it or not, sports fans out there. We learned a tremendous amount. There's no wonder that you're leading the way as a consultant and author, just an amazing uh, resource and expert in the space of building teams. I can't think of a better, in fact, Napoleon Hill's message today uh, that came out was about team building, uh, one of the OGs of team building. And now we have one of the leaders in legacy in team building, Aaron Hagman, here with David Meltzer at the world's greatest stadium, SoFi, with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.